I have just had the first of five conversations with Reddy, who is a new dear friend of mine that I first started relating with. You'll understand once you once you listen why I don't say connecting with. Yesterday on Twitter, and then we had a nine-minute racket conversation that I will link to so that you can hear that one. And when we started to talk yesterday, I just went, oh, this is the person I want to have on the podcast. So I asked, and luckily, he's a person who says yes, because he's ready to go. And you'll see why he's ready to go, too. We have been talking a lot about connecting, connection, relating, and relationships. We've talked about the edge of, of, of how to be in life, you think? And a whole lot of other really, really juicy stuff. So... I've greatly enjoyed these two hours that I've spent with him, and I'm guessing and hoping that you will too. So dive in, have fun. So what's, what's, what's in your cup? What's in your cup right now? In my cup is hot water, a piece of cinnamon bark, um, a piece, three little leaves of mint, dried mint leaves from the garden, actually, and maybe um, a piece of dried lemon peel. Oh, I love eating. The peel of an orange, like I, it's just something I just love. Like every time I eat an orange, I'm like digging into the peel more than I'm digging into the actual fruit inside. I don't know. It's just something I just love. I like that bitterness of, of oranges and, and bitter lemon. Have you heard of bitter lemon? Like it, it's like, it's almost as big as an orange, but it's bitter like a lemon. Nope. I think that's oh, is, a new one for me. Yeah, it's a very strange fruit. I haven't been able to get it even in India. It's like something just, you know, it's just on in, in the rural areas near the villages. And so I've just been looking around. I just can't find it in any of the big stores and cities. So, but it's, it's just one of those things. You have to find a rural area to, yeah. to source yeah. it yeah. from, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do I call you ready or do I call you Ritesh? Well, ready is what I'm just like tripping on because it's just one of those things that it gets me ready as well. Like every time someone says ready, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it gets Perfect. me all pumped up. And I was curious about the false pseudonymous thing as well. When I started off, there's this thing about even before Web3 took off in the last few months, but even before that, I was curious about this whole idea of a pseudonymous economy. And I was curious about how people have identities. Like in the past on the internet, we, you know, they're, in the times of ICQ, it was just like, you know, you could be completely anonymous. You were just a bunch of a string of letters and numbers. And then now once Facebook came and everyone had their real names and real identities, whatever real means. And so I was just curious about how this whole 
what happens when people have pseudonymous identities, which are so not. So what's a really... pseudonymous? It's like pseudonym. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what I think have it was you... Balaji who made this famous. Yeah, I think yeah. he so, tweeted about so, it for a bit. So what what insights have you gotten around that? If any. I like the idea. Yeah, actually, I like the idea of being, you know, there's always this whole idea of being mysterious. It just adds this element, like, who is this guy and who is this person? So you're curious. It draws people in. It also pushes some people away because then they don't know who you are. They don't have a backstory. They don't have something to relate with. But I'm also curious about how people draw conclusions on the basis of, you know, your name, your identity, your culture, your religion your backstory, you know, where you're from, where you are in right now, all of these build a certain picture, which is something that people need as adults, right? Because it's so hard to trust each other without having that backstory to everything. And this is something we we'll keep thinking about in terms of a playground, right? Like when you see kids in the playground, they just walk up to each other and they're saying like, okay, hey, you want to play with me? Right? It's just as simple as that. Nobody's asking, hey, so where did you come from? What's your mom How and dad doing? How long have you been here? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah. like, it's something I, I did once on a, on a Zoom call. Like, we had a bunch of people on Zoom call, and I said, hey, so what we're going to do is we're not going to introduce ourselves, but we're going to introduce each other. Despite the fact that you have no idea who the other person is, because there's a room full of strangers. And so we actually had people introducing each other with something completely made up, entirely, entirely made up. And it was so much more fun. So I'm really enjoying this idea. And that thing of, of you know, introducing each other with entirely made up stories or, or names or, per, you know, personas also can be extremely free like wow and i mean you can see that in 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 kids who you know there's kids in school who don't really fare well or for that matter if they fare well you know but you know i'm the goofy one or i'm the sports person or yes. whatever and then sometimes if you have a shift where you you know you move you get go to a new school all of a sudden i'm free to kind of step into a new persona, step into a new way of being me in the world, because a lot of the, I mean, especially I think a lot of the kids who don't do very well in school, not because of them, are the ones who the teachers and the school staff know with bunny ears mm. that they're the messy ones, you know, the, the ones who can't sit still, the ones who will never shut up, the ones who, because they come to school, they look at them and go, oh, no, it's him again. <laughs> and, you know, what can you do? Well, you just fall into it because, you know, that's what you're expected to do. So that's the path of least resistance, right? Uh, yeah. So it is really interesting, this thing about who we are and how we show up and what's how it's allowed for me to do that. What is allowed for me and how can I play with that? Yeah. You know? It's something, you know, it's, I've been thinking about it like for the last week or so, I've been experimenting with the idea of toning myself down from if I'm on the, you know, energy scale of one to 10. Like I'm usually always in the upper levels of seven plus, 
right? Like I'm, I'm just like shouting off the rooftops and just like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Like I'm super animated all the time. Right. And if there's, if I'm not up there, I just crash right down to see. Right. And I just like completely turn off. Like I'm one of those people who can be com absolutely comfortable in complete pin drop silence. Like I'd be absolutely comfortable if I have no one around to talk to, like absolutely nothing, no conversation. Like I can stay like a week or month or so with absolute silence. I don't find it uncomfortable. It's not unnerving. I'm very comfortable with myself, but I realized that anywhere between one to seven, one to five, like five is a baseline, right? But like, I'm never at my baseline. I'm always like, on the surface, so I've been trying this out and, um, you know, as part of this ultra speaking experience where we, you know, just using the medium of speech to explore different facets of ourselves, right? Through, through speaking, through allowing the inner self to just reveal itself through just words without thinking of it as public speaking or learning to speak better. And over there, they suggested this exercise that what if you had to scale your energy down? In, in just speech, right? But I took it a step further and I dragged it back into every aspect of my life. I've been trying to speak softer. I've been moving. I've been literally actually moving slower. <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> oh, wow. How does it feel? Like, are you naturally a higher level individual or a lower level individual? I am. I am naturally. I'm not sure I'm quite as bouncy as you, but not far no. off, I would say. <laughs> Um, and I'm quick, you know, I'm quick brain, quick grasp, quick right, quick getting things, you know, I, I'm quick and I, you know, talk fast, etc. And then when I started to really, really know myself and, um, like having come 10 years in on that journey, that's a journey that started some 20 plus years ago. So 10 years ago, I started to discover and notice that I was slowing down. So I speak slower. I listen much, much better because I'm not working out what I'm to say when you're speaking but you're speaking and then you're going to notice this in these conversations. I look up to one of the sides and that means I'm, I'm kind of, you know, what wants to come. So I'm, I'm much more silence and I move slower. I walk slower and I do, I do a lot or no, I don't do a lot, but I do coaching. And if people are here in my area, we do coach walks. I live next to a recreational area, so we do walks in nature, which is just magnificent because wow. it's hard to stay stuck mentally if you're moving physically. Yes, but yes. starting that journey, I started to train as a coach um, in 2011. I was a fast walker. <laughs> so we were walking fast, you know. It's like, <laughs> this is great because here you're getting sort of mental uh, you know, assistant coaching and you're getting a physical exercise at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I started to, as I started to slow down, I would let the client's pace be what set the pace. 
which often meant walking fast as you know, because you need to be effective and productive and make the most of this hour of walking. Right. And for the past, I don't know, five years or so, I'm the one setting the pace and I go slow. Nice. And I have clients at the start, they're like three feet ahead of me and they're like walking and I'm <laughs> just chill. You know, I, and I don't say anything. I just don't mm -hmm. fall in step with them. I, you know, mm -hmm. we do slow because I think that in and of itself, in the, the society we live in, that in and of itself is tankispiel. You know, wait, she, she's not maximizing the physical benefits that we can get from this hour of walking. And I'm going, actually, we are because we need slow movements much more than what we're getting. So it's really, really good for you to do slow walking. Um, so it's been, yeah. for me, it's been a very, very interesting like journey to kind of observe myself as I slow down to the speed of life, which is what I, you know, look at it. Um, I like that. The speed of life. Like that's, that's such a, like, what is the speed of life? It's such a, it's, it's an incredible thing, right? Like, like it's just something that just struck me. Like we look at things and like, like a waterfall is really fast, a typhoon, a cyclone is really fast, right? But majority of the times, nature's got this gentle, lilting pace, right? Streams and rivers are flowing with a gentle pace. Leaves are unfolding and falling down with a gentle pace. Animals are only fast when they're running for their lives or running to hunt and take another one's life. The rest of the time, they're just lounging, Chill. chilling. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And look at the tectonic plates. They are not yeah. fast. Oh. You know? So there's <laughs> earth time. Um, that That is something completely different than, than yeah. kind of the, the speed of modern man. You know? <laughs> like we are doing something really, really. That I think is, you know, it's detrimental in a lot of ways. I think, you know, we see a lot of people who aren't well, who aren't you know, it's like you're kind of chasing, chasing away from yourself in a way, you know, uh, yeah. instead of just slow down, maybe even stop, you know, breathe, close your eyes, just mm, be there. It's almost like it's harder for people to do that, right? And slow down, stay there. It's like a sense of panic kicks in, which is really strange because like you speed up when you're in a state of panic and by that's logic. You should actually calm down when you slow down, right? But it, it turns like it's topsy-turvy. Like the moment people start slowing down, there's a sense of, oh my God, what's happening? Why are things moving so slow? Why have we stopped? We've stopped. We've stopped. Something must be wrong. wrong. Gosh, that association. So 
how did you learn to be in, in, in the state of zero, in the silent, in, in being comfortable with being just with you? Is that something that you've always had with you or has it evolved? I think it started very early before my earliest memories of my memories go back to me being like this introverted kid who was very extroverted, very met individuals, but I've always like, I think growing up, I had this insane delusions of grandeur and I was just like, I'm fucking better than God. Like, you know, like I had this complete megalomaniac belief that, you know, I was just like, like you said, right. I was, I was quick in this, quick in that, quick in this, quick in everything else. And I was like, why is everyone else so slow on me? Are they dumb? They must be dumb. Okay. In that case, I'm God. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I just went from one, you know, made this complete jump of a conclusion and you know, when you're actually feeling that quickness, when you're feeling like everyone's behind you and there's nowhere to go and like you're all alone up front, that you just get comfortable being alone, right? There's a sense of it's lonely at the top sort of thing. I won't say I was at the top. I was actually a bottom ender. Like I think I actually was always at the back of the classroom. I was the worst student and I didn't want to study. It was just complete refusal to abide by school rules by classroom rooms. I was just that rebel kid. And even by that logic, I had to be alone. Like there were a few bunch of other rebels who would hang out, who I would hang out with, but then the number was always lesser than the mainstream, right? It's an entire space. And eventually I jumped into drugs at a very early age. And by virtue of that, I started spending more time alone as well, right? So I would and even if I was with people, once I was high, I was in my own head. I was lost in my own head or out of my own head, which was way you look at it. But I was always having the sense that, you know, there's me, there's the world, there's the universe. And so it was me, 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 me. And everyone else around me was slotted as part of the world, right? And anything that was outside of this world in terms of, you know, experiences, mind-altering, mood-altering experiences was out of this world. So it was just these three stages of engagement and that one stage of engagement that was always there with me was me, myself, my thoughts, my beliefs, myself, getting more comfortable, spending time there. At some point, I'd even left home very early. I think I, I left when I was like 16. And then I was living alone. I had no clue where I was. I was just on the run. I was hitchhiking across the country and, you know, completely going off the reservation. I was just living crazy. And I didn't have friends. Or I would just be making friends on the fly. And then, you know, the next week before I knew it, I would be in a new city, new place, new complete environment where I had to make new friends. Right? So the only constant that remained in my life was me. So I just got comfortable being with myself. And even today, I'm my own best friend. Like as, as you know, it's, it's people look at it as selfish. And I, I definitely agree. I'm very selfish. And I think that's the first step towards being selfless. So I think like that's something that I have going for me and I'm happy with it. And so I like being in the state where there's me, there's my thoughts. There's my ideas and there are my actions and what, there's my speech, what I'm saying out to the world. And I'm equally interested. Like it sounds very hard 
people to believe or for me to sometimes believe that this is possible. How can a person who's so full of himself be open to other individuals, to their thoughts, their speech, their actions, and having this interaction between these two? But I really think it's possible, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I'm constantly trying to make conversations with people online, offline. You know, I'm just one of those people who could strike a conversation with a random stranger in the middle of nowhere. And to the extent they'd be like, oh, can we stop talking now? I'd be like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> So, I have this, um, I mean, you, if you live in India, you know, you, you come from a very much more collective society than I do over here in Sweden, you know, where it's like individualism and Sweden is like on this world value scale. We are, you know, we are up in the corner, you know, we are so <laughs> odd. Um, but for me, this whole, like the individual and the collective, I think that we are, we're thinking about that in a skewed way where for me, give me a strong individual any day, someone who knows themselves their strengths and their weaknesses, who's not afraid of himself, who's not afraid to say, it was me, I did it, whether it be good or bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give me one of those because that's what makes the collective stronger, you know? It, because I'm not... The, the, the purpose of being a, a strong, you know, with bunny ears again call it whatever you want but you know knowing myself and and you know kind of that's kind of whole maybe is a better mm, word mm. i don't know yep. you know the purpose of that is not for me right it's not so that i can step on everybody else who's weaker than me or below me or whatever it's like the purpose of that is so that that means that when i come into contact with you or my community here around me or wherever I am. I am the best me I can be for the us. Yes. Yes. I'm so beautiful. Like I've always likened this to the idea of animals in the wild, right? Like when we look at the alpha, like this, this new definition of the alpha of the back being this bully, this dominant creature and he's just constantly like sitting like this king and everyone else is serving him. But it's all, it's amusing because like the stronger the alpha is, the higher the chances of that back survival, right? Because the value of that one individual who's strong enough to reach his or her maximum potential means that you're raising the bar of that entire community, right? You're raising the the strength of the entire community because it's just like a law of averages, right? If everyone's going to be at the same level and a few stick out and by virtue of you sticking out, the entire average of that community is going to raise, right? And I feel like, like it's exactly like you said, it is it's each individual's purpose, if I could give it that word, to just reach one's maximum potential. Like what is my maximum potential? Like it doesn't have to be like I have to be up there, I have to be up here, like 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 the modern scoring system, right? Like what's your grade? Where are you at? What's your status? How much are you earning? What's, what's you know, it's not that. 
but it's whatever I am gifted with, whatever I'm born with, whatever talents I have, whatever I've discovered, whatever I found, whatever I've built for myself, I'm the best at that. I could be a carpenter, but I could be the best at that. I could be a CEO, I could be the best at that. It doesn't matter. Both start with C, but you know, it's just the fact that we're both damn good at what we do, right? And that's such an incredible feeling because like gives me so much joy to be amazing at what I do. Like I have this in incredible sense of pride saying, hey, I make the best furniture in this part of town, right? And it's even digging deeper, it's not the outcome. It's, it's not whether other people agree that I'm making the best furniture. Is that when I'm making the furniture, I'm completely, you know, the hole that you mentioned, right? I'm, I'm so completely at peace in harmony with myself, with, with the way I'm working, with my movements, with my complete obsession with the task at hand, which, you know, can dive into the whole mindfulness thing. You don't have to sit on a cushion and meditate on something to feel mindful. I could be making a stool and feel as mindful as a monk sitting in the Himalayas. Right. It's that sense of diving into oneself and finding the best, you know, like just allowing the best version of myself to just bring forth effortlessly, not by virtue of competition, like, oh, damn it, you, you're trying to get better than me. All right. I see what I'm going to do. Like, that's a very, you know, not a very comfortable way of doing it. Cause I'm constantly watching over my back. Right. Like I'm constantly like, oh my God, someone's reaching, someone's trying to be a better carpenter than me. Gosh, I have to do something better, right? I just feel like competition doesn't bring out the best in people. Like there's this constant belief that if you want to bring out the best in yourself, you have to compete. You have to put yourself in the market. You have to be in the marketplace. You have to compete with each other. Like that's when you bring out the best in yourself. Uh -uh. Don't think so. No, I agree with you. It's kind of scary how, how much we agree with each other. <laughs> like, how can this be when we have known each other for all of 24 hours, you know, right? It's yeah. like yesterday around noon or something, we started talking on a Twitter thread and here we are, um, you know, but it's, 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 you speak to one of my favorite words is a word coined by Nyla for merchant. She speaks about the onlyness that only you have, that thing that only you bring to the table. And I just love that word. Uh, because it's, it doesn't, you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be unique, you know, um, it, but it is that thing. It, it does have to isn't the right word but, but you know that which i bring to the table mm. only me can bring that i'm the <laughs> only one who can bring me to the table nobody else can i can be invited in by others i can be held by others right but if i don't come i'm not there i feel like this connects so beautifully with you know, the reason why people are like, oh, you know, I'm coming out of the closet, right? Like this is just used in a very limited sense, right? Like, okay, I've, I've been homosexual, I've been gay and you know, like this is me and I want to now come out of the closet. So it's, 
it's kind of limited to a certain specter of people like saying, okay, I've been repressed by society, by my community, by my family, and now I want to come out. If we were to take this into a broader aspect, almost everyone is in that closet, right? Because we have been put there. Like I've personally rebelled against the school system like ever since I can remember. Like my earliest days, I would like, you know, I'd be that kid who's constantly rebelling every single day, like without, it was such a mess, right? Like constantly. And it's, it's almost, at some point it was like, okay, you're just a rebel without a cause, you're just this, you know, just this spoiled adolescent brat who just wants to, you know, unleash terror on the world. And like, in a sense, maybe I was enjoying that energy most definitely. But at the core, there was a reason, like I didn't, I didn't like the fact that, okay, the whole idea of a school, everyone wears the same clothes, everyone's trying to fit into that same environment, everyone's trying to get the same grades, everyone's learning the same thing at the same level, right? And okay, you would have a few aberrants here and there, people who would jump a few classes of your grades and who would be given a little more preference this way, that way. But I didn't see that sense of, like you said, people coming into that onlyness, right? It was the opposite. Everyone's being pushed into this oneness of the ideal student, the ideal citizen, this ideal individual that society wants to put out as, you know, each nation state has their own ideal individual. And, you know, they just want us to be made as clones in that regard. So I was constantly like, my fear, my greatest fear was that I would lose my onlyness constantly. Like I was like so afraid that if I stopped rebelling, even for an instant, mm. I would become one of the whole, right? One of many, one like many, and I would lose my onlyness. And that scared me to no extent. And it's so amusing looking back in hindsight of all the crazy, insane, scary things I did without a second thought, probably all because I was so afraid that if I didn't do these, my other option was to just be like the rest of it, like just like everyone else. Such so a scary thought. Would you say that? I mean, did that take a lot of effort? This, you know, it's like, because in a sense, you're in your very own hamster wheel then, right? Yeah. I need yes. to be in this loneliness hamster wheel. Rebel, yes. rebel, 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 rebel. And you're just yes. in a hamster wheel. It's just most of the other people are in a very different energy type <laughs> hamster wheel. But it's still a hamster wheel, right? Where, yes. where this, where fear-based it sounds as if it's yes. like yes where fear is the thing and i i yes. haven't thought about this before but i wonder if is that you know there can probably be different types of hamster wheels different like outputs and you know the reasons why i'm in this one and you're in that one etc but i wonder if fear isn't one of the driving factors you should you should have a house and a nine-to-five work and you need to have a kid and you need to have a car and a you know yada 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 and if i don't i'm not good enough and 
yeah. you know? And so is it fear? Is yeah. is that I, the way to step out of it? It's like, I don't, I'm not afraid of this. Um, I totally agree. Like, I, you know, that's, I didn't take this easy way out. Like, like you said, I jumped into the other hamster wheel, moving in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that wasn't just, you know, and yeah. I was probably spinning faster because, you know, it's like the hedonic treadmill and I was like an addict and like, you know, like everything is a hundred times faster, a hundred times more hustle, hundred times more many or a hundred times more depressive mm-hmm. moods, like everything is a hundred X and, and I was going in the opposite direction as well, right? Mm-hmm. To make things worse of sorts. And you're right, because like today when I look at anything I do, I'm constantly thinking of it in terms of, you know, this whole, the F's, I call it like, you know, it's like, am I being driven out of fear, right? Am I doing this that I'm so scared that if I don't do this, something wrong is going to happen, something bad is going to happen. Am I doing this for fame, right? Because, okay, do I just want to be known? I want to be this super smart kid or the super, you know, rebellious kid. I'm just doing this because I want everyone to look at me and say, Wow, that guy's crazy. Like who could have done that? Right? Am I doing this for fame? Am I doing this for fortune? Oh, how much money can I make all this? Like, okay, right? You're making your first all over the internet. Okay, did I make a first million bucks? Am I gonna make a billion? Am I gonna make a trillion this year? Like, you know, there's that constant wheel of fortune. And then there's fun. Right. So that's where am I right now? So that's my F right now. I'm just like, okay, right now, can we have fun? And fun is always better together. Right. So that's one way I've chosen and used to get out of that. That the moment I, I went on that hamster wheel, I got, I became alone because, you know, on that hamster wheel, you just, at the end of it, like my worst rock bottom of, of addiction was at, at one point of time, I was probably half the size I'm now. And I looked like ED, my eyeballs were just like sticking out of my socket. And I was just like all starved and skinny, like a skeleton. So I probably looked like an alien at that time, but none of that was as bad as the fact that I was completely alone. I couldn't relate with another human being. I was afraid. I was paranoid. I was scared. I was angry. Like I would walk on the street and people would, you know, avoid me. Like, you know, there's this whole sense, like who, who the hell wants to hang with that, with an addict. Right. And I was like, at the worst level of it, I wasn't just one of those highly functional users who you probably don't know that they're using. And so the complete loneliness of it was what reminded me of the value of this connectedness that you're speaking of, right? This belonging to a community, belonging to a harmonious whole, rather than just being this one self, individual self. And I think that was the most potent moment when I realized that it's not, you know, it's, it's, there's no I, (laughs) there is no I, I mean, like, I am awesome. I am incredible. I am individual. I'm unique and all of that, but the I is, 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 is connected in some way. Like I may not be the same as another person, but I am as deeply connected to that individual as I'm deeply connected to myself. And together we're all as connected to this world, this environment, this planet and everything else, to animals, to plants, all of us. Well, we just, it's just a question of, am I aware of that connection or am I not? I like the fear, fame, fortune, fun. 
Ah, scale. <laughs> That's a good kind of check-in. Mm. Oh, to to kind of find the the root or the intention, the the driving yeah. force, right? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So it's easy real time check. Yeah, like, precisely. So that's what I'm 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 wondering. How do you use that? Like mm -hmm. practically in your life? How do you use that? Do you wake up in the morning going, you know, or yeah. how how do you do that? I actually do in a way. Like I the first thing I do when I wake up is I get out, I go to the roof, I face the sun, and like I'm completely, you know, soaking in the sun because like that's just like my wake up charging thing i mean like that's one thing i'm like just recently i was asking everyone on twitter i'm like okay only people in the northern hemisphere only people away from the equator all of people in higher latitudes altitudes how are you going to manage the winner right like you're not going to face the sun you're not going to see the sun you know if you're in scandinavian country probably for the next six months or so right and i've just taken for granted i mean like i'm a tropical country i don't even know why or not we living in the tropics even have to wear clothes. We don't even have to wear clothes and just be roaming around naked all day long because that's how we were designed and made to be. And I feel like that's something I need to wake up doing. Right? I wake up, just get this whole load of sunlight and then I move. I need to do something to move every part of my body. And here's where it begins. I'm like, okay, why am I getting sunlight? Okay, it's going to give me, is it going to give me fame? No. Fortune? No. Okay fun kind of it tingles when you know you feel a hot heat on your skin so it tingles yeah there's a little bit of fun and you know is there any fear maybe yes there is a little bit of fear in the sense that if i don't do this maybe my moods won't be as good as i'm getting older i realize i can be a little more cranky i can be a little more irritable and so i have to check in check on that as well right so i'm thinking okay so there's an element of fear there's an element of fun there's not much of, you know, fame or fortune involved in this. So, you know, that's just like, I can do a quick check-in over there. So I know there's a little bit of fun, there's a little bit of fun. Now, here's the thing to remember that the ratio of fear to fun, like that's where the fun, you know, that's where, because anytime you do anything fun, there's always an element of fear in it, right? And that's what excites, that's what brings in that excitement like all kids love to be scared have you noticed yeah, this like kids yeah, just yeah. You just like sneak up and then they go boom and they're like <laughs> like they're, they're yeah. shocked and then they're yeah. like giggling laughing they're falling over because there's so much fun so i feel like that's one thing like i can keep the fear there it doesn't have to traumatize me in fact it might even excite me to the extent that oh i'm like oh this is awesome so and I do the same thing with the movement. Like, like if I'm moving, okay, how much fun am I having? I start playing my favorite tracks and I'm just like tripping to the music and dancing and moving. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, if I don't do this, I would just probably become one of those rigid old men who walks around like this all day, like, oh, like, you know, the spine is stuck, body, the hips don't move, right? And hips don't lie. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I got to groove, I got to move and I know. So again, there's a little bit of fear that if I don't do this stuff, I'm going to turn into one of those, you know, people who just don't move, who can't move. But if I also do it for fun, and you can tell, right, if you're having fun or not, everyone can tell when they're having fun or not. So at the end of it, I'm like sweating buckets, I'm exhilarated, I have this incredible high, and it's barely 15 minutes into my waking day. 
started off the day with no thought of fame or fortune, a little bit of fear, a lot of fun, and it's a great start to the day. That is great to hear. And I think, I think that, that, that element of fear, that's that tension. That's for me, it's the edge, oh, right? That edge. Yes. That's the oh, edge. No, I got it. Yeah, yes. precisely. That's the edge. And I was, I was reading, uh, there's a book by, a. Uh, a man called Jack Morin called The Erotic Mind, which speaks about, you know, my erotic, you know, relationship to me and others, etc. And he, he says the same thing about, he speaks a lot about shame in it, you know, because it's the same thing there, you know, mm. that little bit of Oh, we're being a little bit naughty here. We're not really <laughs> supposed to, or can we do it in the open? Or, you know, whatever. That that edge can be really, really enlivening and invigorating, right? If it's yes. too much, bam, it knocks yeah. you down. You know, you won't be able to move. You won't be able to do anything. So yeah. it can't be too much, but it's not necessarily a life without it that we want because it does you know it gets the bubbles going right um so i'm i'm all for that and i think it is i mean there's a reason i mean we speak about the liminal place mm -hmm. or the liminal space you know the the mm -hmm. the boundaries say forest and field or you know, ocean and beach along, along the edge there, you have twice as much, at least life, because yeah. you have life both from the one and the other, and then they're commingling and, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, so the edges are, are interesting. It just, you need to make sure that you're not it's not too much edge because then you mm. will cut yourself. You will hurt yourself in ways that yeah. are not good for you. Yeah. Um, that's a good reminder. Yeah. I love how this came back to the edge. I think it's like, because yesterday I was reading on the side and I was like, okay, this edge, we have to talk about the edge. We have to talk about the edge. And then I completely forgot all about it. And I was like, you know, just, just like, so at the end of the conversation, like, oh, this is it. <laughs> we reached where we wanted to be. Because I've spent my entire life on that edge. Like, I've just been, like, constantly pushing, you know, boundaries, constantly on that edge, constantly desperate. At that time, it was complete desperation to stay there. I didn't want to be in this side. I didn't want to be on that side. And, you know, just constantly wanting to be on the edge of every space, right? There was this is like you said, it is just like, you will get cut. And, you know, if you're on the edge, you will get cut. And it's, it's just incredible because the other aspect I realized later on is that I was definitely hurting myself, no doubt, but I was also hurting everyone else along me, right? Everyone whose lives I touched, right? And it's incredible because I don't realize how much, because we only believe to an extent, or at least I definitely believe that the people whose lives I'm affecting are the ones I'm affecting directly, right? But then the more you, you 
draw in words, you realize how powerful your influence is on the world in so many ways that you probably didn't think possible. And I was like, you know, as I withdrew deeper inside, I started realizing how, how much of an influence I have, how much an individual's just mere presence in a space makes such a difference, right? Especially in a country like India growing up, like we have almost 2 billion people here, right? There's no dearth of human beings over here. Yeah. And just think of the variety. There's just so many people, so many different kinds of people. And every few hundred kilometers, is like a different culture, a different, a different religion, a different kind of people, a different language, a different cuisine. Everything is so different, uniquely different. And because there's so many people, like it's easy. And I completely have taken for granted that, you know, the, the, the connection to another live human being or something I'd forgotten or taken for granted. I was like, ah, there's always like, you know, there's always people around, like you need to, if I needed to find people, I could just, you know, just find people just like that. Cause it was harder to get away from people. <laughs> it was harder to get away from people. And, but now I realize, you know, it's like, I can be in a room full of people still be completely disconnected. I can be out in the wild, alone in the jungle, and still be deeply connected to every single plant, tree, squirrel, um, you know, everything. Um, and I'm right now in that space, that liminal space. I live in a city, but I'm in this whole COVID situation. I've been so isolated, and I've never missed a single moment of connectedness with the world. I haven't traveled outside, you know, just made a few trips out now and then, but I haven't been traveling around the city. I haven't been actually going out meeting people. And yet, like, I haven't felt disconnected. Like, I've been living with okay, a dozen cats, and that's a lot. <laughs> you have a with... dozen cats? Yes, yes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I have one? <laughs> oh, so you're boy. the crazy cat man. <laughs> yes, I'm crazy cat man. <laughs> Completely, 100%. <laughs> oh man, like they have been, in fact, one of the reasons for me to think about play was, you know, when I was just staying alone and looking at all this chaos and death happening all around me, and I look at the cats and they're like the least bit bothered, right? They, they couldn't care less. They don't know the stats that this many people are dying of COVID across the world. Oh my God, what are we doing? Well, mankind is doomed. Oh my God, let's run to Mars. Nope. They're just playing, they're just relaxing, they're just rolling on the ground, rustling with each other, playing silly games, and chasing each other around the place. And, and that's when it struck me that, hey, if I really, I don't need to do anything more than this. And I would still be living a completely fruitful life, especially in this modern, the newest obsession these days seems to be that it's not just making fortune, but I need to live a life of purpose and beauty. Right. And it's almost like I need to find purpose and meaning. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just been completely ignoring that aspect and even laughing at it, mocking it because I'm like, Hey, the real purpose and meaning comes in only when we connect as a community. Right. And if someone in that community needs me for a certain task, a deed, a purpose, you know, something of that. So that's when I fulfill my purpose towards the community. But if I'm trying to find my purpose by myself, it, it doesn't make sense because my purpose for what? For who? To satisfy myself? Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, I just need to survive. 
right? So in that sense, as an individual, my only goal, my only purpose in life is to survive. If I'm part of a community, if I'm part of a larger whole, again, our purpose, our meaning is to survive. And towards that goal, what can I do to contribute towards the survival of the group and community? Right? And in most cultures, it's as simple as just spawning progeny, right? Okay, you and me hook up and then we spawn a few brats and then, oh, we've done our bit for the community. Oh, look, we, we added numbers to the tribe. So there you go. We did our bit, right? It's as simple as that. But, you know, it's like, that's a base layer, but maybe I can play with something more fun, more, you know, interesting. And that's not somewhere I'd need to just stay with if I'm not, if I'm curious to explore more beyond just fulfilling that base level purpose of meaning, which says, hey, increase the rate of survival of your tribe by increasing numbers. And I, I for one, want to rise beyond that level. But at the same time, I don't want to come up with my own unique identity as purpose, as a sense of purpose or meaning that I want to strive towards. I'm just going to keep it open as of now. Let's see what comes up. If at some point of time, there's a certain need for an individual like me, I'll show up and I'll do what needs to be done. Until then, I'm not actively searching for purpose in me, my life. Oh, this is so interesting. I did a, I did a creative morning session May of last year or June of last year, 2020 on purpose, uh, which was very, very fun. And I was just riffing it basically, but I do have a very strong sense of the purpose of, of me or the meaning of my life that came to me, let's say it must be 11, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. When I woke up in the middle of the night wow. and just bam, uh, <laughs> I went downstairs, I lit a candle, I took a piece of paper and pen and I was just writing. And for me, it boils down to... I want to make a positive imprint. So you could flip that and say, I want to be of service to my community, right? Cause that's what it is. And, and that has, you know, it's like, I had a perfectly good life before that. I've had a perfectly good life after that. And it's, it's with me. It's, it's very much a sense of how I am in the world, how I show up on Twitter or social media or how I am when I'm interacting with coach clients or my kids or, you know, it's like, it's very with me, not in a, you have to, but <laughs> how can I rather, yeah. um, and it can, it can be, um, it's like you're checking on the four F's. It's like, hmm. it's a way to check in. Am I contributing now? Is this a value? So I don't share a lot of, oh my God, the world is falling apart and COVID is this bad and that thing and this happened and oh, how horrible this is. I don't spread that on. I don't share that. 
enough people do that, I don't also have to add because that's not how I believe that I can make a positive imprint. Um, and like you say, someday, maybe this one doesn't feel right at all. Okay. You know, it's like, I'm not attached to it. Uh, and I, it's like, if it comes to you, let it come to you. If it doesn't come to you, don't, don't for crying out loud, go searching for it. <laughs> oh my God. If anything, be open to find it, right? Cause there's a difference between being a searcher and finder. Yeah. Um, but if you go searching for it, then you're efforting the heck out of this thing that I don't think is, is one to yeah. be efforted. Right. <laughs> like, no. That's not how you do this. And it's like, it's, it's interesting to talk about this in like in the area of the cats, because <laughs> I wrote a piece about Pop the cat, my cat the other year, how he is, he is the king of self-care. He yes. is a full fledged master at yes. self-care. You know, yes. they do the pandiculation, they wake up and yes. they go, ooh, and they just stretch their entire body, just goes, yes. mm. and then they cuddle up again, you yeah. know, or they find something to play, or they find the one stream of sunshine in the floor and they just <laughs> lay out there maximizing the lovely heat they can get from it, you know? <laughs> They are just, they are masters and they are very, very good role models, I would say. Yes. Uh, so I love that. I would have to read that piece. I'm going to go with that. I'll one send up. it to you. I'll send it yes, to you. Yes, please. Uh, that is so cool. So it's interesting. I mean, because I mean, I guess I don't think cats necessarily come to the world thinking, oh, I need to find my purpose in life. You know? Kind of the purpose in life is to live life. And I don't mean yeah. survive. I think that yeah. we are above and beyond that. And I actually think Pop the Cat is above and beyond that too. You yeah. Because yeah. he's yeah. not surviving. He's thriving. Yeah. He's loving life, right? <laughs> like, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, yeah. live. Truly yeah. live. Yeah. Uh, Love how we brought pandiculation because I think that is such an incredible. Because I've been observing cats for a long time now, right? And I've been obsessed with the idea of movement as to why, like, one of the aspects of, you know, adults avoiding play is because the physical bodies can't keep up with it at all anymore, right? Like, even elite sportsmen and athletes are specialists. A runner is only going to run, even runners, like a marathon runner is only going to run long distance and a sandboard is only going to run 100 meters, right? You flip the rolls and they're like, and they like all out of shape completely, right? And a swimmer can't play basketball and a basketball player can't, you know, can't do a pole wall. Like, whereas if you look at animals, like look at my cats, especially like, if I scare them, they just suddenly bolt or lose it. Yeah, they the jump two yeah. meters in the air into <laughs> yeah. another room. And twist in the air, landing, watching you. And you yeah. go, how? How is that possible? Right? From nothing to being, yes. you know, 
They're amazing. <laughs> oh, I that's what I want. Like, I, it's, it's like, it's a little lusty. It's a lot lusty, I guess, because I want that freedom of movement. I want that ease. It's more about the ease. It's not the, like, you know, that incredible athletic ability that I'm obsessed about. It's just the ease. Like, they're not going to warm up. Like, even if I meet an old athlete, if I say, hey, would you like, would you, would you like run for me or do something and show me what you did back when you were younger? They'll be like, oh, this is going to take a few months of training. This is going to take a few weeks of prep. And this is going to take a few hours of warm up before I can do this. But you do that to a cat and before you know it, they're just like, you know, incredible. And like, some of my cats, like when they're pregnant, they got like five little kittens in the belly and they're still climbing up trees. How is that possible? Like you ask a, a bodybuilder or a weightlifter to lift something and he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I need absolute sadness in the crowd. Everyone give you a moment. And like, you know, smelling, smelling salts and get all ready. And like, okay, everyone calm down. No noises. Now I get to be in the zone. Like, you know, it takes so much effort. Like that's the effort. That's what you're talking that's about, right? Effort, effort for everything. Yes. It's not just the effort of lifting the weight. It's the effort of getting ready to lift the weight. Like incredible. But this mother of five little kittens carrying them inside of home. She just you know, hears a sound and she's up the tree in a jiffy, like all of a sudden. So imagine that if I ask a weightlifter, can you carry that? Okay, you lifted that, awesome. Now carry that and climb up a tree. She's going to be like, and that's, but I, 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 it's not that I'm, you know, aiming for this sort of uh, cat-like reflexes, but I want that ease. I definitely think I want that ease when I'm like, way past my, you know, my, my twilight years and I'm just on the edge of, you know, heading towards death. I still want to be able to move. I still want to be able to do the things that I'd like to do. Squat down on the ground, roll around a little bit, essentially do those things that the cat just does lazily. And, you know, the whole thing, cats don't warm up, animals don't warm up. But they do pandiculate and they do that a hundred times a day. That every time, every single muscle in their body yes. just stretches, yeah. right? And I feel like that's those literal moments of, how do I say, slightest bit of effort makes a world of difference, right? And that's how, in my head, I've just been constantly thinking of, you know, I think of it as, good, bad, and ugly energy. It's like, if I'm really struggling, I call that ugly energy. If I'm working, working hard, I call that bad energy. And if I'm just like lazily doing stuff or, you know, playing on with things and they get done, I call that good energy. Right. And so I'm like always very like, okay, I need to do this. Okay, cool. So if I can do it just by playing the fool and getting things done, awesome. Like that's good energy. Great job. Excellent. I feel good about it. If I had to work a little bit harder, I'll be like, okay. Yeah. I had to put a little bit of work in that. So it's kind of bad energy, but it's not really ugly. But if I had to like burn the midnight oil and stay up, scratch my head and think, oh my God, we have to do this. <laughs> How do we fix this? Now I'm bordering on that space. Like, and like, I just took Pareto's principle and I just turned that into my own ratio. So in my life, I can spend any person of the time with good energy. Like that's how it could be my life. It could be my day. Any person of it has to be good energy. 18% of it could be bad energy, right? If I really need to get things done, oh my God, like, you know, taxes need to be paid and things like that. That's work. Okay. I could give any person of my day to that. 
2%, no more than 2% a day goes to ugly energy. Like if I have an accident and like, you know, something needs to happen, I need to take care of this, or the war footing, I need to handle this. Now it needs to be done now with all my resources maximized mm -hmm. towards that one singular goal. Okay. But like that, that shouldn't be more than 2% of my day or my week or my month or my life in general. So like this is, I've just given myself this crazy scale that I constantly keep playing with anything from writing a book. Okay. 80% of time I can be having fun. Any personal time can be boring and terrible, like editing and stuff like that. Two personal time, I could be like, really, oh my God, I need to get this done before the next 35 minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get this done. That's okay. Like, that's the ratio I've given myself. And I feel like that's a nice space. I know when I'm doing, how good I'm doing life. Like when someone asks you, how are you doing? I actually think about this. How am I doing? I mean, like, this energy scale is what I think of before saying, you know, I'm good and you're good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> ugly. <laughs> I'm really ugly today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great though, because I think this is one of the things I don't know. I've written a number of pieces on this efforting, you know, from the sweat of our brow. It's just no. Like, we are not built for this. No life is built for that. I would say not even ant life and bee life is built for that, even though maybe they don't agree with me. But it's like, it is not, we're not supposed to do ugly energy, you know? And you look around, there's probably a lot of people who have flipped those numbers. So it's 2% good. 18%, yes. same number, 18% of the, of the bad. And then it's 80% ugly energy. And I'm going, is it a wonder that people aren't well? Uh, right? I really like that. That's a very, very practical and helpful. And I think easily relatable to uh, concept. Um, and it's fun that you, because pandiculation is a new word for me. I learned this word six weeks ago or something, um, when I was doing a sensing yoga class, there's a Swedish lady who has invented some type of sensing yoga, which is lovely, which is basically, it's so fun to do a class with her because she says, now we're doing this, but. If you need to be lying down, you lie down. If you need to sit, you sit. If you can't do it this way, don't do it that way. Listen to your body. So she's, she's like the most unorthodox teacher in a way. It's not, you have to do precisely this because this is how the legs is supposed to move towards the arm, etc. She says, listen to your body. Constantly listen to your body. I can tell you the rough outlines and then you find how does your body want to move here? Which is just so lovely. But she speaks a lot about pandiculation. Yeah. And it made me realize that I've actually been pandiculating in the mornings. Somewhere in my second marriage, I stopped with this. And I don't know when. Because, so for the first 
35, maybe 40 years of my life, I would wake up in the morning, I would go. And I would just, you know, and I would be just doing that. And I would do it with my voice too. I would do this high pitched squeaky. Wow. And I just realized the other week that I have lost that somewhere along. So I've started to do that in the mornings when I wake up, I go, you know, and just (laughs) do it. So I'm, I'm actively bringing pendiculation into my life. And I notice Pop the Cat doing it, like you say, yeah. all the time. And all they're the time. so funny because he can lie on the on the sofa for five hours sleeping. But every time I look at him, he's flipped around, right? So he moves. And every time, if I actually catch him while he's flipping around, I can see him doing this thing. And then yes. he settles into a new position and he's <laughs> yes. there for 20 minutes and then he does this thing again. So he's like, yeah. even in their sleep, yeah. they know the body needs to be in yeah. this lovely mood, just keeping it all supple in a sense, yes, right? Yes, that's the one. Wow. I love yeah. that one. Uh, I actually spent 24 hours monitoring how often they do it. And I think it's close to 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes, they move in some way or the other. Like it just could be like, it could be that, that usual stretch of theirs. Yep. It could be just like, like, you know, like sleeping and then rolling over. It could be curling up into a ball, but they're constantly at least like they're just, even if they're asleep, like you said, yes. even in the sleep, the wisdom of the body takes over and just says, okay, we're going to do this now. Right. And it's just like effortless. It's not even like it's, it's like it's happening completely on autopilot. There's no, that, that's the word. There's no conscious effort. They're not trying to stay supple, right? No, There's no, no effort there. They're not trying. Okay. I need to do this. Right. Because like, again, you're lucky you have beautiful yoga teacher because most people now think of it, like you have to contort yourself into certain positions. You have to reach this ideal positional, you know, space you need to reach that ideal flexibility level you need to reach that ideal agility level like nobody is just allowing their body to settle into what is ideal for the body because the body already knows right the mind doesn't need to tell the body what the body needs to do right Ah. and it's i mean it's 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 interesting i have a friend Matthew, he, who's also one of the people doing this this season together with our other friend, Inva, he speaks a lot about, um, he knows a lot about the nervous system and, and stuff like that and the vagus nerve and, and all of these things and the polyvagal theory, etc. But I think it was him saying this thing about, you know, proprioception, about knowing where our body is and where it ends. You know, you can... I can have a piece of fruit in my hand or, or an egg with a sharp knife and I'm cutting it. I'm not cutting through my hand, you know. I know precisely where the egg stops and my hand starts when it is time to, you know, if I am attuned. And that attunement is not the mind. Yeah. The mind, the, the brain gets its information from this system throughout our body, which is just a gazillion times more rich with information than the brain. It's just, you know, it's just the hookup central. 
and not yeah. even for everything because there's a lot of signals that don't you know it's like why would we bother going all the way up to the head for this thing we just do it right so just this this thinking of our entire system as this intelligent system that is comes from well-being there's innate well-being when we are born and the entire system is constantly working at getting us to the the most well-being we can in the moment you know regardless if you're sick regardless if you're you know you have problems anywhere the body is always trying to put you back to the best level you can be at given your circumstances right uh, which is just such a lovely way to to think about it. And it just makes me go because I've been one of those talking heads for a lot of my life. You know, it's like it ended here and there were two feet. You know, it's like, and then I kind of <laughs> discovered there's a body in between. It's like, wow. Um, but it's like that, you know, all of a sudden there's, again, there's that wholeness piece. It's like, there's so much more available to me because I've kind of discovered that here's this thing. And it's like, it's, it's me. It's like, yeah. it's great fun. You can do a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It's the playground, right? It's a complete it playground in itself. The body is a playground. Like, what yeah. can I do with it? What can I, and, and do is not just function, but it's a fun part of the function, right? Cause like. It's almost like we just think of the body as a functional unit. Okay, can it help me drive a car? All right, cool. And the car can take me from point A to point B. Awesome. All right, can it take me up the escalator, boss's office, so I can, you know, get a job? All right, great, great job, great body. Right? Can it, you know, help me play a game so that I can, you know, impress women and get laid? Okay, cool, awesome. Right? And it's constantly on like, so body can, okay, you're telling me I can have sex with this body and I can feel incredible in my mind. Okay, cool. I'm going to use it. Right? It's almost like we're constantly using the body, right? At some point, and it's just about function, 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 function. But that very same activities can be fun, like going up the end of it and could be like, ooh, I feel this. Like, you know, like, you know, and you can experience fun in the same thing rather than just being obsessed with the function of the body, right? Like, right now I'm just standing, like I flipped my chair away and I just kept the standing desk. Right. And I got this other, <laughs> shoot, I got these under my feet and there's like, you know, little trampolines, like, you know, so I'm literally standing on them right now. And I'm like, I can actually like, I'm just like bouncing on them. Like, you know, my weight keeps shifting and this is just, and those little, you know, projectiles keep like, you know, just like a foot massage of sorts. And I just feel so comfortable. Like I feel like that sense of movement. Otherwise, like if I'm stuck in a chair, I start feeling rigid and then slowly I can start feeling the tension in my neck, my shoulders, my back. And then I'm just like, oh, damn it. Now I need a day to unwind from that. But I, this is like the easiest hack ever. Cause like I'm standing. So, you know, I, all the bad posture that comes from sitting in a chair or in a bad job. And then I can go in, you know, that just goes into a complete different level. And now I can stand, but at the same time from standing on hard wood or hard floor, that hurts my body too, because we weren't meant to stand on hard objects, right? We were meant to go on in the wild, on soft earth, on plants, on, on anything that was soft. It would, they had some give, it had some play, but not this hard surfaces that we're built on. 
And now by adding this layer of softness, I have this sense of, you know, feeling that there's a sense of being welcomed by the earth, right? Because I'm, I'm falling in with algebra with this bounciness. So all of this is just something that I probably put in a lot of effort in the thinking, right? I put a lot of effort in thinking, but it's just a bunch of little things that I found on Amazon. I got it over and now it's been like my stable thing. Like I never get in front of my desk without those under my feet. And I don't have a chair. I never use a chair. If I have to sit, then I squat on my haunches because I'm just trying to rewind myself. And I'm one of those people who's not flexible at all. Right. So I had to like slowly build that flexibility and just to the state where I can rest in that position. Right. I don't want to like have some sort of a perfectly light body and I don't want to reach extreme levels of agility and flexibility. That word that you use, suppleness, I, I want that because I find that as I grow older, I'm growing more rigid, my hips don't move, my back doesn't move. Like if you look at a, a young child walking, there's complete swagger, right? They're just like, you know, the whole, the whole body is moving. There's not a single joint that isn't moving when a child walks. It's just like everything from the toe right up to the neck is completely moving in just something as simple as walking, right? And and me, I'm like 42, a 42-year-old man. If I were to watch a 42-year-old man walk, it'd be like, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. This, oh my God, this like, they're just so rigid and they're just like, yeah, it's just like, so I'm just, I'm just doing everything I can without, within that good energy space without moving into the bad energy space or the ugly energy space to maintain the suppleness of a child, which is asking for a lot. But I feel like as long as I stay within the good energy space, even if I get like, you know, just a bare minimum, that's still a lot better than what would happen if I will just if let my would. body get stuck. It's so, it's so lovely to hear you say this because I've been, um, I've been, I've been in barefoot shoes since 2014, um, and have shifted how I walk. I started shifting that already before I did men's and therapy or whatever you call it and, and kind of, you know, started to look at that. And so I've shifted how I walk and with, and, and today I basically don't fit into any of my old shoes because my feet have, you know, they expand and they just won't contort into this, ugh. you know, so it's like, I don't do that anymore. But it's also so interesting to notice what happens when I'm in barefoot shoes, which have thin soles or barefoot. I go barefoot a lot. You know, I go barefoot to the, to the, to the church hall where I have my choir practice, you know, and my colleagues there in the choir just look at me going, she's just, you know, but it's like, a, yeah, I am. No problem. I'll be that one. Right. But <laughs> it's so interesting to see the difference between how it is to be me in the world when I feel the ground that I'm walking on because if you're in very like 
any type modern shoe, you don't feel the ground. You don't feel that here's a little pebble or here's a little crack mm. in the sidewalk or, you know, now I'm stepping onto uh, the grass because it kind of feels the same. But if you're barefoot or you're in uh, in barefoot shoes, it's like, I feel it. So yeah. if I'm if I'm in that, the problem is I was in Paris with my mom and my aunt and my kids, 2018, I think, 17, something like that. And we were walking all day on flat, hard surfaces. Uh. Yeah. We are not supposed to, so that's <laughs> what we're not supposed to, you know, we're, yes. we are made for walking. We are made for moving. Absolutely. Right. Whether it be walking or, or shorter, like running, uh, but we're not made for flat, hard man-made surfaces. That's the trick. So that's where you really have to start to dance around on the streets of Paris. Cause otherwise, you know. My back just went boom. No, sorry, uh, don't do this uh, to me. I won't. I won't. Um, but but it's so it is so fascinating because you know, even though I said I was a talking head before with feet, I wasn't really connected to the feet, other than they were that functionality aspect, Ooh. making sure that my mind were was transported around. Yeah. Right? It's like now I am a full body with feet and the feet are as sensitive as your hands. They are, they have an enormous amount of the bone and muscle in the body. There's like, it's just, feet are just amazing. And we kind of shut them, you know, it's like we shut them away, turn them off. Yeah. So that if people go barefoot, they say, oh, it hurts. Yeah, because the nerves are so turned Breaking off up. that any sensation is, is, is interpreted as pain, even yeah. though, you know, it can be the softest gravel. You know, it's yeah. like it doesn't actually hurt. You need to reprogram that signal because there's no proper pain here. Your system has just been, you know, misaligned in a sense <laughs> but it's so lovely to to feel to be in connection with with where am i oh and I, i've been like for me it's like even if i'm barefoot around my place to find a patch of just earth where i can you know sink into that like i can wear i can walk barefoot around but like this, everything is hard ground. Where do I find, you know, soil, soil, just the earth, right? To sink into. And the other thing that I've been playing around with is walking backwards. I start like, yeah. I spend most of my time walking backwards. It's just like three miles, my entire brain. It's almost like it's, I started doing it because I had, I've got like really bad knees. And so I started doing it to like ease the muscles, which are worked when I'm walking forward. So I would start walking backward just to ease the pain. And I realized that it's it's also very invigorating the mind, right? Like I feel like this cognitive boost, like when I walk backwards, because like the the mind is challenged, the body is challenged. Like, oh, this is something we haven't done before. Like it's it's new, right? And then then I started like walking on all fours, and I started doing this, like you know, just trying to imitate my cats. And then it's like, okay, 
if you guys can walk on all fours, I can do them. And I start walking on all fours. I start chasing them. And man, it is so exhausting to walk on all fours. Like you said, it's just like, you know, if you haven't been using, if you haven't been barefoot for a long time, then the first time you get barefoot, you know, you're going to be like, huh. It's a shock to the system, right? And the same way, so it's like every now and then I just constantly just jump down, just walk on all fours. Sometimes it's just like from my bed to the, to, to, you know, just to go outside. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk on all fours. I was like, oh, it could just be like 10 steps. It could be like 20 steps. But the fact that I'm doing this is like a shocker to my body. It's a shocker to my brain. It's like, oh, something new just happened. Like, right? And that, I, like, that's the part of the play that we're missing out. Because like as children, the play just kicks in that unpredictability of play. Like what just happened? Like this is completely new. All of that, right? That constant rattling of changes. Like, okay, today we're playing in this part of the woods and tomorrow we're going to be playing there. And today I'm playing on all, on two legs and tomorrow we'll be playing on four. Today I'm going to climb this tree and today I'm tomorrow we'll go climb that tree. It's a different kind of tree. So we're going to have to use different kind of skills. Like there's no soap. There's no predictability in the uncertainty of play. And while it seems a little contrived that I'm trying to bring about unpredictability in my life, I think it's worth giving the shot every now and then, right? Like just to wake up my system and say, hey, don't get stuck in this, you know, in the sense of procedural rigidity. Like physically, I have this positional rigidity. And in terms of just living my life, there's this procedural Rigidity, right? I wake up, I have my coffee, I, I ride, I do this. So over time, like that becomes some kind of a procedural rigidity. And I feel like there's a certain level of uh, discipline or a central conviction of something that life kind of revolves around. And I've just like made it as simple as sunrise and sunset, right? These are two things that I keep a constant in my life. When the sun rises, I need to be up to say hello. When the sun sets, I need to be up there on my roof and saying goodbye, right? And I, it's just as simple as that. I'm like, hey, this is as simple as keeping these two things constant. Besides that, sometimes my sleep may move a little bit this way, that way. My eating habits may move a little bit this way, that way. You know, everything may just move a little, but these are two things that I try to anchor my life around. Like just two simple, continuous constants of my life that I, and I can do this anywhere in the world. I could be anywhere in the world and I could still do these same constants. So I try to find those, you know, some constants along which I can anchor my life and the rest is open to unbelievability and chaos to quite a large extent. And I would say it's, it's also, um, I can see where you're coming from when you say it might be a bit contrived to kind of introduce the unpredictability of it. But I also think that it is kind of a way to deprogram or reprogram ourselves, right? So that in 10 years, maybe you don't need to do that because you are so attuned to the intuitive sense of like the cat that moves and pendiculates every 15 minutes in their sleep, you know, because yeah. you have reawakened, mm -hmm. um, you know, that sense of, okay, here I am and I need to be in this, this type of flow. Um, 
And I was, uh, this is, this is something that I, I am playing around with it in ways where I'm deliberately trying to listen and ask myself, all of me, what that, what I need, what would nourish me in the moment, etc. Because I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, I did burpees every day for like a thousand days or something. Wow. Before I realized <laughs> there's a reason why my back says, because ah. burpees every day for me is not what I need. Yeah. I need to listen to my body. Now and again, burpees, yes. Now and again, don't you go close to those burpees because that's not what your body needs right now. So I have had to like deprogram myself from this very rigid, I do this thing because I'm great at it. Like, give me a challenge and I'll do it every day for as long as it takes. You know, he's like, I do that. But I'm playing around with listening to what is it that I need in the moment what would serve me right now and not this, the productive function chasing, uh, efficient, yeah. you know, it's like by the sweat of our brow, infused mind or culture that we live in, but rather, oh no, yeah, I need to move right now, you know, or yeah. some water or no, let's just go out into the sun or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, and that was like, I had, I read a funny book by, I think his name is Dan here or something. It's called Embodiment. He speaks about asking yourself what you want to eat, etc. It's a couple of years ago and I went to the cupboard and I opened it and I, I had some type of snack in there, I think dried apple rings that I had or chocolate or something. And, and I asked myself, and I, I was playing around with, you know, if my body moved forward, it meant yes. If my body moved backward, it meant no. Oh, and, and I was asking, you know, uh, I was asking myself cause I wanted a piece of chocolate. I think that's what it was. <laughs> And I was asking, is this something you need or is this just because you crave it? And my body reacted so clearly telling me this is just a craving, my friend. You don't need this at all. And I started laughing at myself because it was this type of dialogue with a part of myself that I've been so disconnected from, you know. But when I actually asked and kind of invited it onto the scene... It said, here I am. I'm ready to play with you now. <laughs> it was just great. I was laughing. I shut the cupboard and I went back to the sofa and did whatever I was doing. Um, oh, love it. <laughs> it, it. You know, it's just like we, our bodies are such incredibly intelligent beings. Like it's almost like, like you said, like it's like my body is... I don't know why, like, you know, you got this idea that the brain is the pedestal. Like, we just put this up on the pedestal and like, oh my God, like, you know, it's up there. And like, this decides what is happening with everything within. The more you think about it, like, 
even the body itself, right? There's like a million bacteria in here and they're like, you know, it's sometimes like, am I my body or am I, am I the parasite to the bacteria rather than the bacteria being parasites to my body? Because like, there's just so many more of them. Like, how am I so confident that this body belongs to me, right? And it's such hubris to think like, I mean, I enjoy this body, but to think that this body is mine, like the sense of ownership, right, is so incredibly amusing to me at that I'm just like, okay, let me think of it like a timeshare. I got this body <laughs> before it runs out. I'm going to make the most of this, right? I mean, like I can move this, I can move that. Oh, wow, look at what it's got. Like, you know, I'm just exploring the property and like, wow, it's got this, it's got that. Okay, this can do this, this can do that. And if I'm not going to make, you know, explore that to its maximum potential, like, am I not missing out on the beauty of residing in this magnificent property? Like, okay, like everyone would imagine this house, like in Miami, you have this incredible property, it's like spread over it goes, it's got 10 different suites, it's got like four different heated swimming pools and if you're just going to stay cooped up in one room sniffing coke all day long, like you're missing out on the fun of living in a mansion, right? And like, that's how I feel with my body. If I'm like constantly obsessed with like this intellectual stimulation that I get from, you know, like constantly cognitively masturbating on the internet, reading books and like everything is up here, up here, up here. And it's just me, 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 right? And it's the moment I start exploring all of this, there's so much like you said before, the richness of inputs, right? Like the nervous inputs that come from the fingers, from the feet, from the sensation of the body, right? There's so much happening. In the, like the moment I start doing that, I just realize how rich my world is. Like not just this world, but my world, the world I inhabit in this body, right? And then that richness, celebrating that richness, enjoying, embracing that richness just makes me feel so much more happier, so much more full of potential. And now when I stroll into the community, I have all that extra potential, all that extra energy, all that extra enthusiasm to share with everyone around me. So it's, it's like, you know, just like, thank you, buddy. Like, you know, it's almost my body is my buddy, right? It's like my best buddy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, honoring it for that, which it gives, uh, you know, is cause it is an amazing thing. And it's like you say, I, I, I read a lot. So I do do a lot of that cognitive masturbation that you spoke about. It's like, I, I like that too. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. just, it's too, I like that also. There's a book by Merlin Sheldrake that's called Entangled Life. I think it might be Entangled World, but one of the two. And he is an expert on fungi. So it's a, it's a book about fungi and, um, lichen and, and, and and bacteria also, but, but mostly fungi and mycelial networks and this and that and the other thing. And reading that book, it is tankispian, you know, 10x, <sighs> at least. 
But it made me go, just like you said. It's like, shit, I am not alive on account of me. They are keeping me alive. I would be so dead if it wasn't for all of these <laughs> other creatures that share, like you say, this body. If it's on the skin, you know, th there's lots of life on my skin that I don't see that keeps it healthy. We know about the, the gut biome and, you know, all of that. But I don't think people really, truly understand that without them, it's like they are the ones that are feeding us. You know, I can put milk food in my mouth and chew it and it can go down and I can poop it out if there is if there were no my you know gut bio doing the work I wouldn't get any nourishment whatsoever from that you know it's like it is such an intricate system and it just made me go I'm not so sure we're the smart ones actually because fungi my god they have been <laughs> on this planet for a gazillion times longer than we have. And yes. there's not a tree that doesn't live because of the interaction with fungi. There's not a plant. There's not a human. There's not an animal. It's like, shit, they are everywhere. They're, if there's to be a ruler of the universe, it sure is not man. It is <laughs> fungi. <laughs> Hands down, it's fungi. <laughs> and that's why we're playing, because we're trying to be fun guys. <laughs> Bingo. You got it. That's that's true. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and it's, it's, I have a friend of mine, Inma, she wrote the other day that we should not speak about mycelial networks. We should speak about mycelial net place. Mm. P-L-A-Y. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Because yeah. it is that, <laughs> it is that good energy. In yes. It, right? Yes. It's like, it's this thing. It's like, oh, I feel like... Yeah. <laughs> Sending up a fruiting buddy over here today. Um, and they just do. And it's just, wow. Yeah. Life is quite amazing. I, I just, you know, just like the, the more the connections we create or we relate, it's almost like we don't really create connections, right? We just start relating to the connections we didn't know existed, right? And it's when we start relating. There. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because like you said, like, how is it that we've just known each other for like a day and we just feel like we've known each other forever? Because the connection was there. It's just we started relating, right? It's not like we made this connection. Like, we can look at it that way. Like, oh, we connected and we started this and we related and then we are doing this, right? But it's like, it's, it's a little naive to think of it that way because like really deep down everything's just been flowing and connecting and just like oh now I see it it's just more like you know, now I see it now I'm aware of it now I feel it now I relate now I connect right because it's just been there it's just like just like our barefoot adventure 
like the connection was always there. There's no endings were always there. It's just like, just waking up now. Sometimes it could be a rude awakening. Sometimes it could be a pleasant awakening. We just don't know. But then the fact that the awakening ranks above whether it's pleasant or whether it's, you know, unpleasant. Well, I like how you say, speaking about relating to that, because I had, um, I had, a. I had a huge insight when it comes to connection. When I did, I did Super Coach Academy in 2014 in the U.S. And we had a connection weekend in New York as the second of four week long weekends. And Michael Neal, who runs the show, kind of says, or the training, he says, connection is already there. We speak about creating connection. He says, no, 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 no. It's there. And, I'll, and, and I just went, oh, man. So all of those feelings of being so alone, it is like you say, it is because I'm not relating to what actually is always and already there. So, and I hadn't, I've framed that in different ways. I've never used the word relate to describe that, but that's actually a perfect word to, to, to show what it is that I do. It's like, yes, there is connection. And now we're starting to relate to one another. We're starting to interact actively with one another in ways that, you know, it's like the sky's the limit. I like, I like using the word relate. I like using the word relating. Because like, you know, it's like relating is a verb, relate is like present continuous, right? I relate with you, right? That's right now something I'm doing. And I hate the word relationship simply because it just feels like it's something that's done for, right? Like, like it feels like ship is something that takes someone from point A to point B. And that's such a finite journey. It says like, okay, I'm just going to take you from point A to point B. And then you jump in here, you jump off there, right? End of story. Like mm -hmm. it feels so finite, but when I say relate, it's, it's present continuous. I haven't stated an end bird and I haven't even said that it's something that can end. When I say I'm relating, it's something I'm doing. I, I denote action, but the moment I, I use the word in my head, relationship feels like it's a noun. It's something that's just there. It's not something that requires my input. Right, because relate and relating are action-oriented words. They require me to be doing something, to be connecting, to be relating. Whereas relationship just feels like I'm in it. I don't have to do anything. The ship's the take where it's gonna go. And I kind of use it as an excuse to relinquish responsibility. I didn't and like I'm like, oh, well, I, I I'm here. I mean, like, what else do you want me to do? Right? There's the sense that it's so easy because I I'm kind of nitpicking here, but I feel like language is such a, a burden at times because it's like a cognitive load. It's like I'm constantly thinking of what I have to say and do. And like, it's like I'm trying to explain what I feel for you through words, which is such a limitation. But since we have grown up, unlike, unlike my cats who can relate with each other just by like they're constantly touching each other. They're constantly loving each other. Recently, my cat lost, one of my cats lost her kitten, right? She was bit by a rat and she died, right? And the other one, like immediately after that, the mother was like, God, she was just like 
oh damn and she was like stuck there she didn't leave the dead body she was just around it constantly she refused to move and then I eventually buried the body in, in my garden which is what I used to have a little ritual around death after burying the animal I actually invite friends over and we dance we play music and we dance on the grave literally as a sign of celebration of the animal's life and the joy that he or she shared with us as a gift for us, right? And our relationship. And now I'm just like, hey, so this is our farewell to you. So bye-bye. And, you know, we're not going to mourn your death, but we're going to celebrate your life, right? And so we did all that ritual. And then the mother eventually, immediately went back now to the other kitten. So she had two of them. And she had actually stolen the other kitten from another mother, another kitten mother. <laughs> and so they do all of these things. So anyway, she had two kittens and the one that died, she was so distraught. But the moment she realized that this is over, it's finite, she's not going to come back. She's, you know, gone. gone. She took all of that and showered that affection on the other cat, right? And it's constant licking, touching, cuddling, holding, staying around her. This constant sense of contact and proximity, right? And, and it's almost like this in the human world is seen like a bug, right? It's like you're stalking me, you're, you're making me uncomfortable. Why are you in my space right now? Don't you think this is enough? Like, okay, we can cuddle later, but this is like 24-7, what the fuck? Right, there's this sense. And then we want poetry. And then we're like, okay, you need to write me something. You need to show me how much I mean to you, right? But I feel like, again, this brings us back to the whole body thing that I feel like there's so much the body can communicate. There's so much the body can, you know, express, right? And I feel like that's one of the reasons why we love dancing so much, right? I also think that's one of the reasons we love sex so much. It's not really the orgasm, which is just the, the cherry on the cake it's it's the whole cake it's the contact that we are starved mm. of like i'm i'm amazed at the amount of contact it doesn't have to be male female doesn't have to be father mother brother none of those interactions none of those roles that we play in a community matter to the animal soul it's just contact security warmth affection all of that expressing that through contact right it's just Constantly, like I could see a, a little two-month-old kitten sitting with a, with a you know, 20-month-old, a dumb cat who's otherwise silly and just sitting in a corner like that, like, you know, just like, you know, scowling at the world. And, <laughs> right? and then this little cat goes up here and like, snuggles next to him and this cat like, what? What are you doing? Right? And then he just warms. It just takes a few seconds and then he's like, all right, cool, you can cut him. And, you know, we're just sitting there. It's just that warmth exchange of, and I feel like, if we miss out on that, well, that's when we have to resort to language. We need to resort to you know, how well we can express to each other in languages. It, this brings me back to the whole relating. Am I relating to words? Am I relating to contact? You know, just proximity, just being in the same space with another human. And I think in this whole lockdown situation, that's one of the things that has struck people as a very powerful thing, right? Just why are we so upset if we have the internet and if we can connect with people on the world? Why do we still crave 
the sight of another human being, the feeling of another human being in the mm-hmm. same space. Right now, we're on this call for a while now, but we are not literally in the same space because I can't feel, I can feel your vibes to a certain extent, but that physical proximity is the one thing that I don't feel. There's a tactile sense of contact, which I don't feel. There's the olfactory sense of smell. I can't smell you in the room. Like there's so many factors. Like even if we're not aware that we can smell each other, our bodies mm-hmm. are probably already communicating that to each other without mm-hmm. us. Like you said, it doesn't have to go up here, no. but it's still, we're recognizing each other in the room without, you know, this part being aware of that recognition to a certain extent. And even though, even though as humans, we don't really, we've lost that ability to you know, have this strong olfactory sense of connectedness of the uniqueness of you, the onlyness of the individual, right? Like otherwise, like every time I travel, I would leave a sweaty t-shirt of mine with my dog, right? And he would just like hold it and stay there and he's like, Nobody's going to take this away from me until the guy comes back. Right? I'm holding it. Like, that is so powerful. But I feel it's and all we have is words today. It's, 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 sometimes it makes me feel like. It's not all we have, but it might be the thing that we resort to because it's easier and it's more tangible. Because I would say that we might be blind to the importance of the olfactory sense of smell. But smell is the number one trigger of memories. So you smell something and then you go, oh, my grandma made cakes with that spice. Right. So you, so smell is actually, if you want to trigger memory, smell is the number one agent mm. to, to trigger memories. Right. So, so our bodies haven't forgotten about the yeah. importance of yes. the olfactory system, but kind of cognitive modern man culture has. Mm. Right. Especially with, with, I don't. I, I don't know. I stopped using perfume detergents like 25 years ago. And since then I've just cut away everything that has perfume in it. It's like, I don't want, I don't want, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want it to smell. I don't want to use, you know, dishwashing liquid that smells like apples or lemon or anything. It's like, I don't want that because I want to smell what is here you know i want to smell what is actually here not what i'm kind of layering on top to mask so this obsession today with scented candles and these uh fragrant fragrance sticks that everybody has everywhere they smell lovely that's not it but man they smell a lot it's strong for someone like me who doesn't have anything like that it is really overwhelming because my system has gotten so sensitive because I'm like, I'm, I'm removing that higher baseline of, of like background noise, background smells. So my baseline is, and and it like, so 
I would say smell is really, really important. And I wanted to say, when it comes to relationship, thank you for that piece of tankispian. Um, I have not thought about the word relationship that way. But that was, that was tankispian through and through. Um, because for me, you know, I love words. I'm very fond of words. I'm very, you know, I'm very attuned to the beauty that words can convey if they're put together in a specific way and how it can, my entire body can just go, oh no, if, if I read something that's badly written, you know, it's like, oh no, you know, so, so I'm, I'm a very word loving person. And I'm very deliberate. I try to be very deliberate and conscious about the words that I use. So I don't use must and should a lot. I, I avoid right and wrong, good or bad, unless I really mean it. Right. It's like I, I use the word and a lot more than I use the word, but for the same reason. Right. So. I'm very conscious, but I have not thought about relationship as this transactional, uh, vehicle in a way, yeah. uh, which just, hmm, that one's gonna, that one's gonna be here hmm. in the background and percolate. That will probably pop up in a, in a blog <laughs> or two. Um. Because that's interesting. And like I've, I've been, I've been single for five years and I've not been dating or anything until the spring when I, I got on Badoo, um, which is quite popular here in Europe. I've, I've understood and I'm having some absolutely fascinating conversations you know it's just deep meaningful very open very vulnerable and just i love it it's the best and let's say where was i going with this what was i saying before where was i going maybe mm. something to relationships So what was it? That one slipped away. But it's like the... Oh, yeah. There it came. Ah, you got it. I got <laughs> it. It came back. They usually do. Oh, I have seen through the interactions that I've had and, you know, I've done a number of walk and talks with, with people because that's kind of a, an easy way. It's not as contrived as sitting down and having dinner or, you know, can be, but you know, you're walking and, and it's easier in a sense, but I've, I've picked up on two like main aspects about me. It is words do matter to me. 
if there's somebody who isn't able to like spark my cognitive, my intellectual, you know, uh, circuits, not interested. If there's no physical spark, if there's nothing happening in a physical, either because of smell or just, no, it doesn't really, or it just doesn't, doesn't feel like it. It's like, then any romantic entanglement is just off the table, right? But if both are there, that's possible. It's also yeah. possible to just go with friendship, right? Yeah. And that's possible if there's a great like cognitive and there's no physical attraction. That's friendship too. But if it's just one or the other, I'm just not interested. And, you know, neither for friendship or, you know, it's like I, it's, it's like I could do a friendship with someone who sparks my mind, but not the other. It's like, it doesn't. I need the both for me yeah, to yeah. really like yeah. want to relate. Um, I think. Is this, you know, there's a spark of attraction which can't be firing in just one aspect, right? Because like, like you said, we are a whole, right? It's not just the mind thinking. It's not just the body acting. It's, and the more you're aware of this, the more united you are. And then the more you desire stimulation and satisfaction in both these realms, right? And then anything else feels like a half-assed effort, even if it's not the fault of the individual because they are not aware but the fact is that you are aware so you are aware of what you're missing out even if the other is not aware of what they're not offering or not bringing to the table and and you know it comes right back to where we started the idea that it starts from within right it sounds like if i am not doing justice to my own body to my own self to my own you know, acceptance of this, am I being satisfied? Am I being catered to? Am I loving myself? Am I catering to the love that I deserve to, you know, and that love is not just up here, down here, but it's, you know, it's the whole, right? And maybe I, it might appear like, okay, cool, we do this, but then you're actually doing a disservice to yourself. You're doing, you're, to a certain extent, you're actually hurting yourself because you're not expressing that this is not enough, right? And it's so powerful a word to say that more often than not, just saying, hey, this is not enough. Like it seems rude, like we've reached the stage where it feels like, oh my God, like you had to say that to my face. Like, how could you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that's thank you, Spian. Yeah, but right? I mean, like that's yeah. doing everyone a favor. That's doing yeah, everyone justice. That's saying, hey, yeah. I love myself. I deserve everything that I love and everything that I need, right? Yeah. And you deserve to know the truth. So, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. here yeah. it is. Here it is, yeah. I have a friend who says, in Swedish, which means clarity is kindness. So the clearer I am when I communicate, the kinder that is. And this is a yeah. perfect example of that, right? Um, and I've been, I've been, observing myself around this thing because I have in the past I have had 
um, I've been programmed, you know, into quite a lot of the time saying no when I'm a yes and saying yes mm -hmm. when I'm a no, which I think mm -hmm. is not uncommon when it comes to women, maybe especially, but it's like, and I'm, I'm onto this and I'm, I'm, you know, unlearning this thing and learning how to say yes when I'm a yes and no when I'm a no. And this thing is one of them. So I've been, I've been, and I'm very, very good at observing myself. I'm, you know, that aspect of me, that meta me is constantly on, which is not, for me, that is a positive thing because I don't use it as a scapegoat to not also feel what I'm feeling. So I feel what I feel and I see myself feeling what I'm feeling. Right. And I, I went for a, a meetup with one of the people that I match with on, on Badoo and upon just seeing him, that little thing said, possible friend, right? And we had a good enough time. And then we, it just so happened that we met up a, a few days later at another place. And then we were chatting and then we had lunch and it was like, in the chatting, I could make myself think that there was more than, but this little meta me that said from the beginning, possible friend, that one was right, you know, cause it's just not enough. There was no, it was not a match on like, like you say, it's like, it needs to fire on, on, on all cylinders. That's what, you know, that's the thing. Um. So then I went, when I kind of realized that, when I remembered back to that first thing, it's like, oh yeah. So for me, there's this little gap where I can learn to honor that insight, that instinct, that um, intuition yeah. earlier. So that's, that's a process that I'm working on, I would say. Um, I love you know, this whole, it's like we, it's so easy. Like my love, I've just been, if I look at it in three phases, the first phase, I'm just obsessively, you know, just driven by instinct, right? But it was baser instincts, right? I didn't think of anything, final instincts, it was just the baser instinct, right? Like hustle, I need that. Right, like Hulk, see Hulk, smash, right? Like, I just need to get that into my wings. I need to get high. I just need to get high. I just need to get high. Like that was the only thing. It was just this overwhelming instinct. And then when I finally cleaned up and I was like, okay, now I got to get this act together. I'm just going to be like intellect, 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 right? Not going to let the instinct interrupt. It's not going to get me this time. Just going to go completely rational. I'm going to do things by the book. I'm going to follow Brussels. I'm going to be disciplined and get things done. And I did that, right? And then, and now I'm in this third phase where I'm just like, hey, I'm going to explore the instinct again, right? This time I'm going to love, I'm going to explore the deeper levels, the subtle aspects of instinct, the finer aspects of instinct, which I missed out on, right? I was crude earlier and I'm going to now dive into the finer aspects. I'm going to discover aspects and facets of myself, which I explored, but I missed registering. I missed being aware of it, right? I was just so awash with this 
load of energy that I did register what I was feeling. I was just numbed by the, ex, you know, explosion of feeling that I'm constantly, ex, you know, exposing my body to through through drugs, through other mood altering substances, etc. But now I'm just going to be like, so I'm constantly in the space where I'm trying to find okay, how am I feeling? What am I feeling? What am I doing? What am I saying? What am I thinking? Right. And I keep trying to match what I think of as, you know, TSD, like is my thought, is my speech and is my deed in sync. Right. So if I think that I like this person, am I expressing myself honestly and saying, Hey, I like you. Am I following it up with action by saying, by maybe just making a little video, maybe drawing a little squiggle, right. And sending it to them, like, you know, as an expression, as a tangible expression in action, right. Or am I just like thinking in my head, oh, I like this person, but I never say it and I never do anything to express it honestly. So like, this is how I'm, you know, constantly thinking, okay, how am I feeling? What's happening? What am I thinking? So it starts with the feeling, goes to the thinking, then to the speech, and then to actually something. Like I, and, you know, I just love ratio. So I throw in another ratio here again. So it's like all the love I feel for someone, all the gratitude I feel for someone, like my heart could explode with that. My eyes could tear up with that amount of emotion I'm feeling. It demands again, just 2%, right? Because all of that is still inside of me, right? When I say it out, like, oh, you are the most amazing person and I had the most amazing time. Like I bring it up to an 18%. So now it's thought plus speech. So now it's two 20. plus 18. So I got up to 20%. But it's still nowhere close to me, like a little kid, taking a piece of paper, squiggling a little drawing on it and saying, hey, hello, now this is for you. I think you really look cool, right? Like a little child would do. Like, you know, you see children, if they really like you, they will say, they will express something towards you. They gift you something. They gift you their toy. They gift you a leaf. It could be a dried leaf which they pick off the ground and say, hey, thank you for being nice to me. This is for you, right? It could be as simple as that. But that gesture, that action, right? And I feel like that's how we can really build that whole relating and that, you know, the whole relate aspect of it. Because all the thought, as much, like, you know, road to hell is paved with good intentions, as much of good intentions as I have, it means nothing if I don't say it. And all that flowery, you know, poetic expression, eloquent expression that I say with words, as magical as they may sound, still amount to weighing little on my scale because a yeah. simple, ridiculous piece of, you know, a hallmark card would still do <laughs> something more. Because like you said, it, it's physical, it's tangible. Maybe we're sending, you know, a, a dried leaf from here, which has a certain scent, which your subtler nose yeah. would be aware of. Like that would rank, you yeah. know, up Hi. there. It fills up our space of interaction with affection. In action. <laughs> I like that. But I like that. You have a knack for like creating these nifty little uh, tools or like measurements or like here's yeah. the here's the words, <laughs> here's the fancy acronym or something, and then you know, that's that's yeah. that's a knack. I could go into the fortune 
aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, so much easier for me to go to Like I didn't take the cognitive load of my head, especially because like, you know, when I'm like someone like me who's like constantly like all over the place, I meet a hundred people online a day and I'm just like, you know, I'm, it's, I'm just splitting all over the place. Right? I'm just like a hummingbird on crack. I'm not like one of those magnificent eagles who just flaps once and just like yeah. soars across, yeah. right? I'm yeah. just one of those like constantly yeah. all over the place. Yeah. So I need something to remind me that, hey, you haven't been relating with this individual deep enough. You've just been scratching the surface of this because as a by, by nature, I'm one of those flitty, frivolous individuals who, who just like dives in, connects, relates, and then fucks off, right? Like he's just like lost, like, and it's not by intent of hurt or harm, but it's just, you know, it's just my predominant nature, right? Just but, is. Yeah, but that still is helpful to others who are not aware that this is my nature or even if they're aware, expect something more. So I realize that it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm just like this or, you know, deal with it sort of a thing. I can find some sort of a common ground that can say, hey, right. Or, you know, just by using these little tricks and hacks and just making these things possible. I'm like, hey, I've been talking a bunch to this person, but have I been actually doing stuff, right? And this is really real. I've been trying this all over the internet this whole last year. I've been sending people gifts, random people I meet on the internet. I'm just like, hey, do you mind sharing your address? I want to send you something. Something like, wait, what? Why do you need my address? What's happening here? Right? And someone else thinks, okay, this brown guy over the internet, is he trying to get into my country? Is he trying to sneak in? I'm just like, no, 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 wait. I wouldn't go. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm really happy that I am. And, but, is just like, and then when you say it's a gift, then there's even more suspicion. It's like, wait, what, what do you want from me? Yeah, what right? do you this want is from me? Yeah. And, but I, and it's not even that I'm trying to buy someone's love. Like a lot of people feel like, okay, are you just trying to win my affection on the internet through money? Like how crass is that? But I'm, I'm like, you know, this is, it. it's not the value of the gift, but it's, it's to me, it's a completion of my cycle of my spark of affection for someone. If I don't take it through these three steps, if I just think, oh, you're such a nice person, and if I say you're such a nice person, and I could give you a nice, you know, a testimonial on the internet, this person, shout out to the so-and-so person, like shout out, like shout out. That's not enough. It doesn't close the loop for me. It doesn't complete the circuit for me. I need to do something tangible. And I'm the kind of freak who would probably fly down to say hello, just give you a hug and fly the front back. Right, I, I'm totally down for that, and but that's not likely to happen now, considering the situation. So that's why I would rather just you know do something else to complete that loop and close that loop. And and I feel like that's something that I I really want to part of the whole play thing that I'm doing is that gifting, gifting, gifting. Like I feel like that's one of the incredible ways we can start strengthening these connections, right? The soul, like whether it's a mycelial network, whether it's a human network, whether it's a spiritual network, that genuine affection of gifting could just be, you know, anything, right? Just anything, just gifting strengthens those connections, 
like no amount of words and no amount of, I just, you know, have good vibes and good wishes for you is going to cut it. It's interesting. We had in, in December of 2020, I do, um, I have a very small Patreon community for Tankespierre where we do monthly Zooms on a topic. So we do 90 minutes and in December of 2020, we did a topic on gifting. Um, I'll send you that doodle, uh, cause I doodle when I, when we do this and it was very, it was an interesting topic to get into because there's a lot of, there's a lot of norms around that. Like you say, what are you after? If you give me something, I have to reciprocate, yada, yada, yada. It's like, and, and if you kind of try to get past that, there is that genuineness in it that that can just be. Again, it's a lovely way of relating. You know, I'm so happy we connected. No, I'm so happy we started to relate yesterday. Uh, so that we are now in this relating, uh, which will continue. Looking forward. Yeah, I do too. This has been great for Yeah, I can just imagine the amount of snippets I will be able to get from this. From the first, the first season is 25 plus two conversations. I've done the first 22 conversations. I had 430 snippets. It's like, oh Whoa. my God, I need to, I, this could be a full-time job for sure. Uh, you know, just putting the wisdom, the little snippets of wisdom out there, but I have them. Uh, and I'm using them and having fun with them, but yeah, this has been really, really fun. I love just, it. Thank you so much. I am so you. happy. Like you said, I can't believe it's just been 24 months. <laughs> just, you know, the future's so bright, we got all our shades. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I will send you some dates for, for next. Awesome. Uh, for cool. next conversation. Excellent. And I'm so, going to think of what gift I'm going to send you. <laughs> All this talk. And if I don't send something, <laughs> right, I'm going to think of something and I'm, I'm not going to ask you and, oh, but this is another thing, right? This is something else that I like about gifting is actually the, the, the process of creating that gift, of thinking of that gift, of selecting that gift is something that brings so much joy. And I've always wondered why we don't involve each other in it. So if I'm going to gift you something, why don't I involve you in it? Right? So I'll tell you what, once we jump off the call, I'm going to send you a bunch of my thoughts on what I would like to give you. And you can figure out, you know, reciprocate with what your ideas are of what you want as a gift. And then we'll figure out some sort of a way to make that happen. Excellent. Well, there's a cliffhanger for people listening, right? To see where will we take this one? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, 
Look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Ciao.